agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government hugs the government love. The government hugs the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, Jay, how are you doing this morning? So, geez, you know, here I was going to do the intros and I, 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 I don't have anything witty to say. I'll have witty stuff later on. That's, uh, you know, if you wait long enough, there's always going to be witty stuff from Jay. That's sort of yeah. how I, I look I at it. But, but we, we, we uh, uh, of course, we're going to be talking about, well, we're going to be talking about a lot of things today, but really kind of one meta thing, right, which is, of course, the midterm elections. And there's just a lot of aspects of that that we want to get into, you know, the current results, the Georgia runoff and what that might mean, the the, the consequences on both sides, ballot issues, uh, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. So we have a bunch of things to get to, and we will do that in just one second. All right, Jay. So uh, you're you're going to be in the driver's seat today, and and thank you. I for... know, and that's always yeah, that's always a problem. <laughs> I just I just uh, close my like, eyes and go with prepared. it. <laughs> so our our uh, uh, first top uh, and for the most part only story uh, that we're going to be talking about uh, throughout today uh, is Americans voted uh, last Tuesday, and more or less the month and a half before that, uh, and we have some results now. We don't have all the results, but we have some. The biggest uh, contest, of course, is the U.S. Senate. Uh, this morning it was announced that um, uh, Senator Mark Kelly uh, has won Arizona, so retaining his his uh, uh, position there, um, uh, which brings the tally uh, to essentially 49-49 with two seats, kind of three, uh, still up in the air. The seats up in the air are Nevada, uh, where Adam Laxalt, Republican Adam Laxalt, has a narrow lead over uh, incumbent Senator Catherine Cortez uh, uh, Masto, um, but she has been closing the gap as of late. Um, the other, of course, is the Georgia runoff between uh, running back Herschel Walker uh, and current Senator uh, Raphael Warnock. Um, uh, that will go to a runoff election, as happened before under Georgia's rules, where if you get less than 50% uh, of the vote, it automatically goes to runoff. Uh, the other Senate seat that's still uncalled uh, is is between two Republicans, so it doesn't really matter in that that total count. But uh, uh, Lisa, last count, um, uh, Lisa Murkowski uh, is losing to uh, Kelly uh, Chewbacca. Uh, <laughs> you love um, the Chewbacca thing. In that race, I had to I had to get that in there. Um, uh, but it, it it will remain in, in Republican hands. So what that what that means is uh, obviously uh, if if the if if Laxalt's lead does not hold, then the Democrats have uh, uh, fifty. You know, then we're at best fifty fifty uh, again, uh, or at worst, uh, I would say that from my point of view, um, uh, you would have a a, a situation where uh, Democrats could have a a one Senate a one seat lead if they pick up, uh, or I shouldn't say pick up, retain uh, Georgia uh, in the runoff. Um, uh, in the House, uh, the current total stands right now at uh, Republicans uh, 210 um, and. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, right. Uh, yeah, right I now, I, I, I just pulled it up 211 to 201. So you, you, you're up one. Yeah. But of course, that's uh, yeah. not quite where either party needs to be. Yeah. So there, there at this point, as I looked last, there were 23 seats left to be called. Of course, you need 218 to win. Um, most of the folks, uh, who, who know about these things and look at these districts, uh, say it still leans the districts yet to be called for the most part lean Republican, uh, and they would predict a Republican, uh, net pickup, um, that, you know, would be about, uh, 221, which would all told be about a, oh, maybe 20 seat pickup, um, which would give Republicans a narrow majority in the House, uh, essentially a majority of three votes. Uh, so that's where that stands uh, I- I there. Um, Senator Rick Scott uh, described it probably ap- aptly uh, as a uh, Tuesday's uh, results as a complete disappointment. Um, 
And uh, I'm not too happy about it either, Mike, but yeah. uh, there we are. <laughs> so I guess we'll go go first to your thoughts on, because I, I have a, a lot of things, sort of meta things to say on, on the, both the House and the Senate races. Uh, and then we can also talk, uh, you know, governor's races and other things that happen, because I think there's there's some interesting things that there's some interesting interplay yeah. uh, in, in those in those races. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm going to lead off just just real quick and get your thoughts on. So what the the big contests were? One, of course, was Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, second, uh, Georgia. We knew that was going to be a close one. Um, Ohio, uh, uh, probably less less dicey, uh, but still a test of a Trump uh, candidate. Uh, and then uh, Arizona, and Nevada, um, uh, and Wisconsin. I guess would probably be the other one. But that to me, that one didn't really come off as a surprise. I think. Um, some people were more surprised that the Republican carried that than, than I was. But regardless, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts first, I guess, turning to the Senate? Well, uh, just just really quick on the House. Uh, right now, the Republicans have 212 seats. So if they get to 221, it'd be a, a pickup of nine. Um, and that, uh, okay. you know, so that's... Uh, I, I did my I, math wrong. No, I did. It, uh, I was looking at... No, it, it's, it's, it's understandable that it would be off because uh, I don't think anyone, we certainly didn't see this coming uh you know we were talking about a pickup of of 30 which would be right in there with historical norms and uh pickup of two or three in the senate and now it looks like i think the best the my best guess is that it's going to be either 50 50 or a pickup of one in the for democrats in the senate and uh, maybe i think a pickup of of half a dozen to uh maybe 10 or so for republicans in the in the house and that is just stunning right i mean that's uh but but yeah moving to the senate because that's what you said you wanted to kind of look at first right um i don't care either (laughs) well you know i mean (laughs) well number one it's pretty clear that the democrats way outperformed the fundamentals right and and i think there are maybe two things that are going on here number one uh people underestimated the impact of dobbs uh and i think that was you know we thought well how much will that's kind of kind of fizzle out well I, a little less of a fizzle than maybe uh a lot of folks expected and number two i think and this is maybe a little less intuitively obvious is you know, fundamentals are, are based on this idea that, well, when the economy is good, people keep the in-party in. When it's bad, you know, the, the reverse happens. But I think now, given how partisan positions have hardened so much, that fundamentals might not make as much of a difference anymore. Like, for instance, let's say you're a Republican and uh, your candidate is a uh, a wholly unqualified baby making abortion paying for uh you know amateur and you think well you know uh he's not a democrat and so you vote for him or if you're a democrat and your candidate is uh recovering from significant cognitive deficits having just had a stroke and you say well you know what he's not a republican and so i think there's a lot more of that and so i'm thinking that Maybe fundamentals analysis isn't nearly as useful as it might have been, you know, five or ten years ago. So, what do you what do you think about that? I think I think you're right in part. Um, I, I would say, and this is going to uh, people would say there's there's no difference, but I think there is. I wouldn't say Democrats overperformed uh, the fundamentals. I would say Republicans underperformed. Right, that this was a an opportunity that they should have been able to grab but did not uh for a bunch of reasons um one of which is is uh donald j trump um and not even so much directly but but trump's influence in in choosing some of these candidates um i i disagree with the dobbs piece uh for for the reason that if you look at the breakdown in in some of these races of of other republican candidates and i'm going to pick ohio for example um uh, Governor Mike DeWine cruised to, I think the last count, it was something like a 68 to, to uh, you know, whatever, 30. Mm-hmm. I can't do math in the morning, but, you know, yeah. Big <laughs> yeah, win. Uh, clo- closing in on seven. One bigly, right? yeah. 
uh, and uh, he is someone who uh, he signed Ohio's uh, uh, heartbeat bill, which is one of the most restrictive uh, anti-abortion laws in the country. And his opponent, uh, uh, who was a, a mayor of uh, Dayton, Ohio, campaigned heavily against him, basically on that issue, uh, on that issue alone, um, and didn't lay a glove on him. Uh, in comparison, um, J.D. Vance, uh, one, I wouldn't say it was a squeaker, but it was a whole lot closer than than it probably should have been. And Vance, uh, through the early parts of the campaign, uh, was was behind. Uh, and it was really sort of up up until some some life saving uh, infusion of cash from uh, Mitch McConnell of all people um, that it was able to pull it out. So I, I would say, to, to me, the message is, is more that I think candidates matter. Um, I think there's some abortion issues in Michigan which are a little different, right? That that might have tipped it, made the Dobbs a bigger deal there. But um, from what I see in a lot of races, and also if you look at Georgia, right, uh, where uh, Ryan Kemp um, uh, cruised to a, a fairly uh, easy victory, while Herschel Walker uh, was not able to crack fifty percent. Um, so I think there is a, a discriminating taste in in uh, <laughs> with voters, and to some extent, some of these these uh, you know Trump candidates and and Donald Trump. I as I, I and I predicted this a while back, Mike, and you said it wouldn't happen, but I think it's uh, Trump like. Uh, like Spinal Tap, um, is uh, eleven. Uh, well, no, no, no. Um, uh, his appeal is uh, is growing more selective. Ah, okay, um, gotcha. You can understand. Uh, so, I went to the turn it up to eleven thing, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, okay. yeah. Well, both apply to Trump, really, sort of. But um, yeah, I, I think that's there's something to be said that, um, you know, uh, you know, Trump's kind of mantra is winners win, and um. Well, look, uh, he he won back in 2016, uh, and I think you can say he notched some decent legislative victories and, and got some uh, uh, wins with Supreme Court justices. But electorally, um, it's been sort of a disaster uh, ever since. So I I think there are a lot of folks who are looking at yeah Trump 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 and now and and this is this is something even I I get just anecdotally and and people I talk to who are big Trump guys. Who, who now sort of say, gosh, I love Trump, but, uh, you know, man, it's time for him to step aside. It's time for him to move on. And I, I think that's, to me, that, you know, there, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, so many of these Senate candidates had absolutely no political experience whatsoever. Um, uh, J.D. Vance had a little, right, um, uh, in, in that uh, he'd actually worked in the Ohio State House, uh, much like myself. Um, but but uh, so and and Vance was again that that was really the only Trump candidate Senate candidate that I think I think won, um, and it was almost in spite of himself. So um, that's that's kind of what I take away is is candidates matter. Um, yeah, I mean, well, and, certainly uh, at at the margins they do, and uh, they're or if they're particularly extreme, uh, you know, I mean, uh, but, but, but I guess, yeah, I think candidates matter. And I, I think your, your analysis is maybe a little more wishful thinking uh, in terms of consequences and so forth, because it, it, it seems to me that Republicans are in, in a bind, uh, in that I don't know that there's the stomach to really go up against Trump because it's pretty clear that he's a vindictive guy and he has a, a, a lot of money and a huge microphone and he can hurt people who go. So he I mean, his his influence may be wholly negative at this point, but it's still pretty important. You know what I'm saying? So I may, I guess you're you're hoping yeah. that this will be enough to kind of get get a number of of moderate uh, Republicans to kind of wake up. But I think if Donald Trump wants to push through and become the Republican nominee, I mean, uh, maybe Ron DeSantis stops him. And certainly this this helps. And we can kind of, you know, talk about that Florida uh, 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 gubernatorial election. But but it's going to be I think it's going to be a time for some pretty ugly infighting in the next couple of years in the Republican Party. Do you, do you agree? Um. Yes and no. I mean, I think the infighting is already going on, right? But I mean, you know, even even now, I'm saying even now, much more so because this was an election where, like you said, and I think you're right, it's probably almost more of a case of Republicans 
underperforming when they should have gained 30, 40 seats in the House and, and yeah. three or four Senate or Senate seats. And it's, you know, it's uh, uh, I agree with your analysis. The, the MAGA folks uh, hurt them a ton. But, you know, that's that's still a pretty powerful and influential group, especially in the primaries. And that uh, and, and that's yeah. a problem. But I think what what's what people start seeing and and maybe this will spill over into the primaries, right, is where you do have um, your your non-Trumpy candidates who, when you get to a general election, significantly outperform your Trumpy candidates. Um, and again, DeWine and Kemp being, you know, two examples. Um, but I guess how does that I guess so, what I'm wondering is how that transfers over, because as long as primary voters, as long as general election voters don't come out in primaries, then it's not going to matter because you're going to have to get enough general election Republican voters to become primary voters to not, you know, to, to not nominate these folks. And I'm wondering if, I mean, you know, pri- most people don't vote in primaries and the people who do are pretty extreme. And so you're saying you think that this is enough of a wake up call that there are going to be enough moderate Republicans to say, wow, I got to vote in next year's primary or, you know, in, in, in 2024's. Well, in, no, in, in part, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's uh, uh, some of it. I'm thinking more that primary voters, uh, particularly those extreme primary voters, um, want some want to pick someone who's going to win the general election uh, that i think that that should be a a key factor in any primary is electability and this this showed that there are a lot of folks who can win primaries uh and and be completely unelectable whereas you have these other republicans uh, more mainstream republicans who do cruise to to bigger electoral victories um, wow, you you are and, you are ascribing. I think, I think that's. I think that's. No, no. I mean, no. I mean, you're. you're I understand. You're, you're winners, winners win. No, and, but, but and I, I, think that's, <laughs> I I think you are ascribing a far higher degree of rationality to the uh, uh, to the the right wing of your party than uh, than it deserves. I mean, I think you know, for instance, Donald Trump was what he was. He was mocking the one losing Republican candidate. I forget where on Truth Social. I don't know. A few people saw it, right? But but I I, th- I don't think that people are going to say that. I, I think it's going to you know just like how in the past you know you've pointed out how Democrats are crazy to say well the problem the reason we didn't win is because we didn't go far left enough. And I think there's just going to be yeah I. I I, well, no, I there'll, like- there'll be there'll be some of that, but I I think it's I think the problem is the the evidence keeps building against that. Well, those are the rigged elections. I mean, you know, that's that's the problem, oh, that's, of course. But um, and that's a problem when that's I, I part of that, your narrative, you know, saying that well, whenever we lose, winners do win. But whenever our particular winners lose, it's that they didn't actually lose. It's that the ref the refs fixed the right. And so, but it's and, sort of it's it's a tough it's a it's a tough uh, argument to make. That the election uh, that Brian Kemp won and Herschel Walker lost, or at least didn't win at this point, uh, is rigged. Well, it's a tough it's a tough argument to make if you're thinking holistically and logically. Um, and if you if you think that there are uh, if everyone's thinking that way, well, then, hey, that's a world I would like to live in. But I don't think it's the world we yeah. actually do live in. So but I see what you're or, saying. or even or even if you look at, say, the Pennsylvania governor's race. Where you had um, Mastri Antonio, I'm, yep. I'm saying that wrong. Um, uh, who was a a a further more Trumpy uh, than than uh, Doctor Oz, uh, and got really completely shellacked. Yeah. Right, it was almost the inverse of the Mike DeWine uh, in Ohio. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, you're seeing that that if if that Trumpy voter uh, really held that much sway, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you I, know, he yeah. would have he would have done he would have done a lot better in that general. I I um, I I think your I think your analysis. I think, uh, like I said about the general elections, I think there's a lot to be said there. But I'm a little more skeptical as to whether or not that's going to have any effects on primary voters. I hope you're right, but we you know that remains to be remains to be seen. Certainly, you know. Uh, but but another thing, I don't know if you noticed this, but. Uh, at least according to exit pollings and, and the exit poll, well, it's not really an exit poll, but that I look at is uh, AP's VoteCast, which is this massive survey of voters. And, and they do it with the uh, National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago. And, you know, this when I say massive, typical 
surveys tend to be one to 2,000 people or so. The, the VoteCast, they uh, surveyed around 94,000 folks. So it is, it is huge. I think it's probably the best look we have at how, why voters voted the way they did, because they, they do this after the election. And uh, obviously, the most important issue was the economy. Uh, I mean, regardless of party, like almost half of people said that was their top issue. But what was interesting to me was the number two, there were actually three things tied at number two with 9%. So that's a big drop off, right, from almost half to 9%. But abortion, climate, and immigration. And I was kind of surprised by climate. Well, it's all the same guy. Right? But, yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, I, what, what, to me, interesting was the was the partisan breakdown because, for instance, among people who voted Democrat, uh, climate was uh, the top issue facing the country by like eighty seven percent of Democratic voters uh, as opposed to ten percent of Republican voters. And you, I, to me, that's that's like a heartening sort of thing. I'm glad that people care about the climate so much and and but you you look at the breakdowns and it's like economy aside we're living in two entirely different universes where the top issues for republicans are like 86% of republicans said uh, immigration top issue facing the country 11% of democrats uh, you know democrats 77% abortion a top issue 19% of republicans it's just the breakdowns are just so bizarre and it's just so clear from looking at that that wow the worldviews are just so incredibly different it kind of blew my mind yeah no i think that's 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 wild yeah um, i'm and uh i don't know how to to bridge that that gap um i mean i mean yeah this, uh go ahead um no there was uh uh someone on on um I believe it was part of the, the Fox election coverage. I won't even say who it was because you'd probably get upset. <laughs> um, but but joke that sort of the it, it's the 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 Democrats' number one voter. It, it's not a um, uh, ethnic, racial, uh, gender demographic. It's it's the NPR voter. Yeah, no, no. It, it, um, I mean, totally. That they're they're showing up. He said they're showing up, coming out there with a the pledge pledge drive tote bag. Um, uh, that. That that's sort of um, and, and again, I think it, it is maybe just bubbles uh, that people live in. Yeah, I, um, I, no, I I would I, I, would, I agree. I, I would I would contend right that the um, Republican uh, view of the most important issues would tend to be more realistic, uh, or at least more more focused of what happens to people on the ground because you go to the grocery store and. Uh, you know, you you see the uh, see inflation, um, whereas uh, some of these other things are less. And and I'm not I'm not arguing global climate change. Ah, oh, no, that doesn't. No, 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 no. I, I'm not. That's what I was just gonna say. I'm not saying that it's not real. Sure, but it's certainly less tangible. Yeah, no, that that's yeah. If if you ask someone which has a a bigger impact on your your day to day month to month, um. Uh, life, life, and they're going to say, "Well, the economy and inflation." Um, you know, would they would they rather that the Earth not be uh, warming at a particular rate? Sure, um, but it's it's one of those. It is not a, uh, and like likewise with with abortion, right? Um, it's not to say it isn't an important issue, but the number of people that it affects in a a tangible way at any given time. Uh, is much smaller than the number of people. Well, who, yeah, you know, there's one fill up their that, cars that, with gas. That's one way to look at it. But another way to look at it is uh, in terms of irreversibility. I mean, once once you are forced to carry uh, a fetus to term, that's a decision that cannot be undone. Once, at least according to some climate, uh, a number of climate scientists, once we get to a certain tipping point and we get to this, you know, these global temperature changes, ocean acidification, and that's 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 baked in. And once that's done, it can't be undone. Whereas the economy, well, the economy gets better and gets worse. And so I think that's another aspect of it. And certainly that's why I feel that climate change is the most important issue, because there's, you know, not necessarily any easy going back from it whereas a lot of these other things you know they ebb and they flow yeah no i think it's a good point i'd love although did did 
I mean, I can't. Well, I shouldn't say I can't think of there because I'm sure there there were um, uh, candidates who really ran on on climate change, right? Not, not now, so they, much. They, no, maybe, yeah. they maybe sort of they ran on things like um, I'm for alternative power. Or, you know, more more windmills and solar, that kind of stuff. Um, but but not. All right, let me, let me yeah, ask that, you. That wasn't the yeah the key key issue for, for I don't think for anybody. Let me ask you this: the 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 crime issue that was uh, something that a lot of Republicans ran pretty heavy on. I mean, you could argue right behind right yeah. behind uh, uh, the economy. Are you surprised that that didn't have more of an impact, especially given you know the crime numbers that you know that we've seen in the last year or two? Um, yes and no. I mean, to, to some extent, I think almost the crime piece is maybe already a little baked in. Hmm. Okay. Right? If you're voting Republican or Democrat, I see what you're saying. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're if you're looking at, and it, it it's also a weird um, uh, dynamic in that places where crime is worst uh, are are Democratic strongholds. Right. right? Urban so, areas are going to have more, yeah. at least more overall cases, not necessarily more per capita. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I think you could you could make the make the argument that it and I haven't looked at the returns to do this, but you could look at some places that were Democratic strongholds and say, well, listen, this is this is a district that, that we typically win, you know, 80, 20. Um, and now maybe we want it 70, 60. Uh, or, or in some cases, you know, this is a district that Democrats usually win, you know, ninety ten, uh, and uh, now yeah. Republicans picked up a little. And for example, there, you know, something that that came out of this, um, particularly in Florida, is that Republicans made significant inroads uh, with blacks and Latinos, uh, more so than they had in, in other years. And in part, I think you can tie some of that growth to to the crime issue um, and immigration. You know, let me ask you about about uh, something a little bit different. The uh, the polls, you know, because you, you, I've said for a while now that based on 2016 and 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 2018 and even 2020, that my my assumption was that well, my process was to basically take the polling average and add plus three for all the Republican candidates. And, and that seemed to be pretty reasonable. In fact, that's the actual that's the approach, I believe, that real clear politics took in their in, in their race predictions. But it, it looks to me like actually, at least in this election, the polls, in most instances, there are some notable exceptions like Florida governor and so forth. The polls were were, were pretty dead on. You know, I uh, like a lot of folks, I look at yeah. 538's model and they have these different models. They have their they call it their light classic and deluxe. Their light model is just the polls. And then their deluxe is expert opinions and past you know, past performance and all that. And, and you look at their light model and it's like, well, it's going to be 50-50 in the Senate. And it's, uh, you know, Democrats have maybe around a 25% chance of holding on to the House. And that to me looks pretty much like exactly where we're at right now. And so I guess I'm, you know, I'm wondering the extent to which, because I, I think maybe Dobbs has a little more of an impact than you do, and that maybe kind of throws things off a bit. But but I'm wondering if maybe, you know, polling organizations have kind of figured it out a little bit. And I wanted to get your take on that. Maybe, because I, I, I look at the same same thing, right? Yeah. And I usually spot the Republicans a couple of extra polls for the sort of the shy Republican effect, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I I'm... I don't know, but in, in in a lot of cases, a lot of these races came really uh, pretty close to what what the the polls were predicting. And our our mistake, if you will, was to say, "Well, we're not going to trust them because they were wrong uh, last time and the time um, before." So we, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and the time before. I so feel like to, you know, yeah, you get in something yeah. else. Yeah. Um. Uh. But like, for example, and again, I I, I look at Ohio because that's what I'm most familiar with. I mean, Ohio came, turned out pretty much exactly as I would have guessed, right? Yeah. Polls or no polls. And I think that's there's something else that there was a little bit of a um, uh, reversion to the mean kind of thing here. Um, that if you say, well, the you know, the 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 perhaps un, un um, not fantastic uh, Senate candidate uh, won in Ohio uh, as a Republican and the, the less than fantastic Senate candidate won as a Democrat in Pennsylvania. There's kind of like, well. All things being equal, that's kind of what you'd expect to happen, mm -hmm. right? 
that's sort of again reversion to what what we usually see. A lot of these other um, uh, uh, places are, are, are sort of the same, right? It's kind of well, that doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah, you know, Democrats yeah. won in Maryland. Yeah, all right, well, yeah, I can see yeah, that. Sure, yeah. um, Democrats won in, in New Jersey, New Hampshire. Um, yeah, it would have been the exception to the rule if they had. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, some things with Ohio and, and Florida and also get into the Georgia runoff. Before we do that, let's just take a quick break and then we'll be right back and get into that. So, yeah, I, you know, I wanted to get into before we talk about the Georgia runoff, maybe to talk a little bit about lessons that maybe both parties could take away from this. And because it seems to me I mentioned Ohio, uh, you know, I feel like if, if I had to pick an ideal Democrat to run for Senate in Ohio, that person would look an awful lot like Tim Ryan. Uh, I, you know, yeah. in, in terms of, I mean, he practically ran against the Democratic Party, you know, he, he, and so the fact that he didn't really come, I mean, it was, I wouldn't call it a super comfortable victory for Vance, but, you know, it was, there was enough padding there, yeah. certainly. And then you look at Florida, where, DeSantis, who just barely won in 2018, right by like 1% or something, just has a, a massive victory here. And so one of the things that I'm wondering is, well, for a long time, Ohio and Florida, both big states with, you know, very important electorally, were considered to be, you know, it, it, toss-ups or at least purplish. But now it, it sure seems to me that there's the good light there's a likelihood i think that ohio and florida are just now just flat out republican states and uh you know that's i guess that's not necessarily surprising to me but i wanted to get your take on that i think ohio sort of has has been a republican state for quite a while it's or that's sort of like the default right uh occasionally uh it will go blue uh for a president or in a particular year right um, but again, that's the exception and not the rule. Um, in terms of, uh, uh, Tim Ryan, I do want to say, I mean, Tim Ryan ran a, a great, uh, albeit I, I may, I would argue disingenuous campaign, um, uh, about how he's the, the, the conservative, you know, I, yeah. Nancy Pelosi never heard of her, um, you know, kind of, uh, candidate. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I think that, that default switch with, uh, J.D. Vance just, just and, and again, for for people who don't know, Ohio is a little a little funky in that um, we have a number of urban centers and uh, sort of the Northeast Ohio uh, uh, area, which tends to be uh, heavily Democratic, industrial, unionized, and and the, the rest of the state tends to be much more conservative. Uh, particularly, we have a whole lot of uh, agricultural uh, areas, uh, uh, farm country, and even I think down as you get closer to where you are, Mike, Cincinnati. Um, albeit uh, Hamilton County uh, is is reliably Democrat, the the suburbs and surrounding mm -hmm. of Cincinnati are uh, extremely conservative, um, as as I'm sure you've encountered. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, so to me, Ohio doesn't surprise me. I, I don't know that. I mean, we're maybe a swing state in presidential elections, but otherwise, um, I know I, you know, I, I don't think so. Typically, elect. You don't think so? Think I, not, no, I, I think I, I mean, I'm not, I'm going to assume that Ohio just is a is a likely Republican state in presidential. I mean, the, uh, the two Obama races were a little bit a little bit different. I think Barack Obama was a unique candidate in a lot of ways and a particularly strong candidate in, in a lot of ways. But no, I and, and I don't know. Maybe that's. A, yeah. And, 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 and for background. So, yeah, Obama won Ohio uh, in both uh, uh 2008, 2008 2012. And, and, and 2012. Uh, Trump won in 2016 and uh, 2020. Yeah. So, I, but in a way, you know, that's, of course, I'm disappointed in that. But also in another way, I think, well, that maybe means that the Democrats can focus their attention on places where they still have potential majorities they could shore up, like in the Southwest, like in uh, places where, well, I, I think, you know, the Hispanic vote is certainly uh, a big deal. And it's, you know, 
more and more kind of going away from a semi-sure thing for Democrats to much more of a up for grabs segment of the electorate. And I think we see that maybe uh, certainly more in Florida than in, in Ohio, right? Just given how the popular, what the population mix is. And, and I think that's in part because you talked earlier about, you know, the NPR, uh, you know, toting, uh, bag toting sort of person, right? And I think when you take a look in general, uh, Democrats are really good at racking up margins among uh, highly, you know, highly educated sort of and urban folks. And but but you take a look at that economic divide. The Democrats used to be the party of the working class, and and that certainly is not, I would say, as much the case as it was. And those issues about identity politics and that sort of thing, I think that does drive away. A lot of voters who on on a lot of economic issues, I would argue, should be more reliably democratic. But those those social issues matter to those voters. And I think the 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 progressive wing of the Democratic Party has just like, you know, we talked about the the MAGA, the the MAGA wing. I would argue it's more a wing. It's it's still in control. The Republican Party is is exercising kind of a a negative electoral influence. I I see the same thing with the uh, far left identity politics progressive uh, wing of the Democratic Party. I think so. Yeah. Uh, you contribute at the the uh, hundred from from a member at the hundred dollar level or more. You have your choice between the premium of the the uh, Robert Maplethorpe tote bag yeah. or abortion yes coffee mug. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, you love that the, one. For you for you people who are tuning in, that was one of the greatest Saturday Night Live skits ever. Uh, Phil Hartman uh, doing the PBS back in the day. Drive. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, back the, in the day. The, the the other thing you know, I'm wondering about how this affects uh 2024 between donald trump and and ron de sanctimonious which uh, you got to work on that one because it doesn't right right, right. yeah everybody out. says that one kind of fell flat yeah Trump's losing his edge for for uh for nicknames yeah you know but i gotta say so yes it's it's very impressive uh desantis's victory uh you know, over, over Chris, but I, you know, I don't think he outraised him by something like seven to one. And of course, when, when uh, DeSantis ran in 2018, that was a blue wave year. Uh, and yeah. now that, 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 you know, there wasn't that, so the environment was a, a much less hopeful for Democrats, I would say in general, they yeah. did outperform. And so, and you could also make the argument that Chris is, Chris is a, a God awful candidate. Yeah. You know, and so, but even so, when you have like someone a, pointed out, he is he is the only uh, person to have have lost as a Republican, lost as a Democrat, yeah. and lost as an independent. But but even so, uh, a nearly twenty point victory uh, that that sets Ron DeSantis up in, in a great way. The the odds makers now have DeSantis as the as the presidential favorite in twenty twenty four, and you know just the very fact that Donald Trump is is attacking, and I think DeSantis very smartly is not engaging with those attacks, you know, um, uh, it, there's part of me that, that would want him to, to say something like, well, you know, Donald Trump, he's a, he's a nice old guy and I really like him, you know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, yeah. but anyway, so well, do you think, uh, how do you see this, this playing out, I guess? Cause a lot that's, you know, that's the I, big I see focus. This playing out, yeah. More of the, uh, Trump's appeal becoming more selective. I think him attacking uh, Ron DeSantis is the absolute dumbest, craziest, worst, worst thing in the world he could do. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, how much, how much better would it have been for Donald Trump to have said, uh, congratulations to my good friend, uh, and protege, uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, this guy's great. I'm so glad I, I picked him back in the day. Uh, you know, I'm, he'll be a fantastic sort of president in 2028 or whatever. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the the people of Florida need him there uh, for these next four years, um, but he didn't. And I think a lot of uh, people in in MAGA country in, in MAGA world look at, at DeSantis and look they, they, he's somebody they really like, and they've liked him for a couple years. Uh, uh, and then all of a sudden, you've got Trump going after him, and and it's sort of well, okay, so here's the two guys we kind of like. The one can actually win; the other can't, um, yeah. or at least hasn't. Uh, that kind of goes back to my point of, of, of winners win, right? And if you come down to a, um, uh, you know, if there's a, a Trump DeSantis primary, which I, I sort of doubt that it gets that far, but who knows, right? Really? Well, well, well um, before you get to the who knows, I'm, I'm fascinated as to why you would think it wouldn't get that far. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think Trump is going to have, uh, 
a whole lot of problems. Um, he's going to have a lot of legal problems. I think he's going to have fundraising problems. Uh, he's going to have problems courting uh, local politicians to help him. Um, he's not going to have that that network that you sort of rely on in a primary. Um, you know, for a lot of these, you know, if he goes into to places and, you know, wants to talk to the party leaders, the county chairmen and all these people, uh, and his pitch is, I was robbed in 2020, I think a whole lot of them are going to roll their eyes. And if, or as opposed to if you've got a Ron DeSantis who says, hey, here's my plan, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to win. I've, I've won in a an extremely diverse state like Florida. I can win in the general election. You want me or you want four more years of Joe Biden? Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Kamala yeah. Harris. I just think you have a you have a, a it's understandable you came you and I came up in a time where politics worked differently um and under that model yeah I agree that's how it would go but I don't think that's how politics works or at least much less so and so the idea that Donald Trump would talk to county chairman at all anyways I be you know well, so, I I, 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 no, I I take that back let's put it this way but Donald Trump you would expect would here's the thing if you want to at this point um be able to win. Uh, a, a primary. I think you you need to and ought to have those conversations with county chairman, um, the the people on the ground, because I, I don't know that the enthusiasm is going to be there for Trump if there's also a DeSantis on the ticket. Yeah. See, I, I yeah. Right? I, I, if, yeah. So yeah. so let's put it this way: if it were, if this was, a, if the primary Trump and Liz Cheney, well, I think that might be different. Um. Uh, if the prime primary is uh, Trump and um, uh, DeSantis, uh, then I think a whole lot of the, the MAGA country folks will say, hey, Donald, that was great. Thank you for your service. Um, but uh, we're going with uh, DeSantis. Yeah, I, I, I think it certainly would. It will be contentious. Uh, and a lot depends on how many people jump in to those primaries. But I can easily and I, this is still my my prediction, I, I see a scenario where there are multiple candidates like there were in 2016 and Donald Trump, because of his unique uh, skill set and his, you know, and his past uh, his past record, which a lot of folks uh, in MAGA in country hold up as being just fantastic. I think he I think he emerges from a, an awful bloody primary as the as the Republican nominee still uh, still again. But uh, and in a way, I'm not even sure if I well. That might actually be my my preferred outcome, and that's the weird thing. Well, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I, mean, I would say that's that's the only Republican that uh, uh, Joe Biden can beat. Yeah, because I, I mean, I look at DeSantis, and DeSantis is pushing a lot of the same policy positions that Trump is pushing. I think DeSantis is just as much of an authoritarian, uh, just as the skeptical of actual democracy, uh, <laughs> if it doesn't go his way, and Trump, but he's he's so much more strategic. And so... Yeah. Well, no, it, it, it's like what you've said before about uh, kind of your worst nightmare is is like kind of Donald Trump, but competent. Yeah, exactly. And and Ron DeSantis is, is certainly competent. And so I, I find myself in a weird position. We'll, we'll talk about this, maybe not, uh, probably not in this show, but in, in the bonus show about this idea of, you know, who do you do you root for? Uh, do you root for uh, someone who you're more likely to beat in the primaries? That whole issue of Democrats getting involved yeah. in Republican primaries. We'll talk about it in the bonus show. But but, you know, that's 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 a big concern for me, because either way, I, I don't know. Joe, Joe Biden, I think, is a is a tremendously weak candidate. It's not a not a surprise. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I have my concerns uh, about DeSantis, certainly. You know, but before we, one. One final thing I want to get to that Georgia runoff, you know, it's yeah. it, it's an interesting thing because, of course, the the Senate race itself uh, was incredibly expensive. That uh, something like uh, over two hundred and seventy one million dollars on that race in, in total spending, which is just right mind blowing. And by by comparison, it used to be sort of the what I would say benchmark, right? As we were coming up for like a Senate race. And in a state like Ohio or Georgia, which is, you know, you, you would say 20, 30 million, uh-huh. you know, that that's what it's just stunning you know, up, yeah. up to up to up to 50, which is big. But yeah. And now we're. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, re- the reason for that, 
I think, more than anything else, is how these races have been nationalized. When when control yeah. of the chamber isn't like in the balance every single election, then, you know, yeah, it's not going to attract as much money, certainly. But it, it's, it seems to me that, well... I would I would handicap this as giving uh, a Warnock a little bit of an advantage because if you take a look at Chase Oliver, right, he gets the, the Libertarian candidate. He gets a little over two percent of the vote, and I mean, here's a uh, yes, he's pro gun, but he's a gay guy who's anti police and pro choice. And so, where do his votes go? I think probably a majority of Oliver's votes maybe go to uh, go to Warnock over Walker. Uh, but in the but I don't even know if it's going to matter because I wouldn't be surprised if Nevada ends up being a Democratic hold, in which case this would just be a, a case of the Democrats being able to pick up an an, an extra seat, certainly. But uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know. So Walker, I mean, the last numbers I saw, well, not the last numbers, the final numbers, uh, Walker was down by like 40,000 votes. Right. So that's the, the margin that he's got to make up. Um, I think that's doable. Um, uh, is it is it doable by Herschel Walker? Yeah, huh? maybe another question. Um, is it would it have been doable by by almost any other candidate? Almost certainly, and that's that's again the the Trump thing. Of, of you you look at uh, look this guy's lost. You know, could could well lose the Senate for us twice. Um, so I I would still I would still give the edge to to Herschel Walker. Uh, just on on the numbers, uh, because I I think. What do you mean? Well, hold on. To pick those up. So, let me let me see if I understand. You give the edge to Walker on the numbers, even though he got fewer votes in the general election. Yes. Yeah. Because you I understand think, why it doesn't track to me, to right? <clears throat> I understand. I understand why it doesn't track to you, but um, uh, I, I think uh, he's going to get a lot of those uh, libertarian votes, even though the libertarian in, in, candidate. Mm-hmm. Was is uh, yeah. Yeah. A, a gay pro-choice uh, anti-police guy? Herschel Walker funds abortions. What more do you want? <laughs> um, right? Okay. Okay. Um, I gotta say, yeah. I like. I like. I really like. I think. I have to say, I really like Oliver's. Uh, what one of his things? Right. I'm gay and I'm armed. How do you not <laughs> kind of? Uh, you go, Chase Oliver. Anyway, but uh, I think you're wrong on that one. Well, I let's, think let's, uh, let's this way. Do you think? Do you think uh, Chase Oliver was picking up a whole lot of gay votes? Well, I mean, I, I don't, libertarians are weird, right? Because I mean, so many of his stances are, I, I would argue, skew a little bit more, uh, skew a little bit more uh, toward Warnock. That's that's my whole that's my whole argument. But then again, who's going to come out and turn out and vote? I, I don't think it's going to matter in the end because I think the Republicans or Democrats are going to hold uh, are going to hold in gonna Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, against. Yeah, I mean that Laxalt. Laxalt is just a horrible political name too. Can I say that's, that? That's not a that's not a great name. No, definitely. It's like ask uh, you know. Ask yeah. your doctor if Laxalt is right for you. <laughs> I mean, good. just sort well, of, I don't yeah, know. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, It sounds, um, yeah, it's anything that's, yeah. That's neither here nor there, nor sophisticated analysis. But sometimes the names do matter, right? right? I mean, there are <clears throat> names and bad names. Yeah. And that's not a great one. Yeah, before, before we, why don't we end by talking about ballot issues? Because there were a bunch of ballot issues uh, and some that were, I think, you know, for instance, we had abortion and pot, the two, you know, big ones and uh, some other stuff as well. But what's your take on the uh, results of uh, the five states in which uh, abortion was on the ballot? I think it's, I think it's not, um, not surprising, right? Uh, I, I, I think where the American public is, is they want to see a right to abortion but they don't approve of an unlimited right uh, uh, to abortion up into, uh, you know, up, up into the, the through the third trimester and, and yeah. you know, just before birth. I, I really think that's that's sort of the and if you look at polling across even Republicans, Democrats, um, there's you know, there's the, the, the extremes on either wing. But I really think uh, a lot of, of, of Republicans could live with the. The idea of uh, okay, well, there's a right to abortion up to the uh, you know, whatever if if it's 15 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever, um, but it's not absolute, yeah. uh, and there there are limits. Um, yeah, because and, you know the, yeah. the ballot issues vary, you know, by how they work on that. But um, well, yeah, in in, in I, I think uh, that's I, I, that's that's been my theory for a while, and, and you kind of poo pooed it, but. I think that's where we end up, right? It's going to be sort of a back and forth for a couple of years, and then we're going to kind of reach sort of that equilibrium 
whether it's through ballot issues or or enacted um, uh, measures by legislature. What, what did I? What did I poo poo? Sorry, I was going to say the idea that, that we would we would reach sort of uh, an abortion equilibrium. Oh yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. After, no, after no, a couple no, of years. You, yeah. you, no, I, I I tend to think you are uh, you are far less of a, a believer or far less of an agent of chaos than than I am. You like to think that things are going to kind of work themselves out and, and kind of calm down and so forth. And I think you're just nuts to think that. But uh, but you know, it's one of these cases where, of course, I, I well, not of course, but I, I like to believe you're right. But I think you're just deluding yourself. But anyway, I, on the abortion thing, of course, you know, in all five of those states, the, the pro-choice position won. Uh, uh, and I'm wondering, so then you're saying you think that maybe Republicans overplayed their hand on this one? Um, well, I don't know that there was a, a hand overplay, right? I mean, Dobbs was what it was, and it teed it up to put it on the ballot. But, but for um, instance, like to the, to the extent the extent you had, it was particularly in Michigan, right? There were, yeah, it was it was a um, sort of all or nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think so. But, uh, but I mean, like, in, it didn't have to. Like in Kentucky and Montana, they didn't have to put measures restricting abortions on there. They didn't tee anything up, right? They were actually going to go. The more restrictive way, and that that you know yeah. both of those both of those failed. So whereas in uh, that was in Michigan, Vermont, uh, California, they actually uh, put a right into their clear right to yeah. their uh, state constitution, and those passed. But I'm saying that's that's yeah. yeah I, I I would say yeah to the extent Republicans said uh, we want to ban abortion uh, in a constitution, um, they overplayed their hand. Yeah, that um, is not a winning. I think that's that's strategy. just not where where most people are. Um, and I would say even a lot of right to lifers, I think, are, are you know, or maybe not right to lifers. Maybe let's let's back that up a little bit. But people who are uh, against abortion in yeah. general, right, um, are are not so willing to say, look, you're telling me you, you know, you would object to whatever, 12 weeks, 15 weeks, 20 weeks. Um, they They object to eight months. Uh, you know, except in the, you know, circumstances of, of life of the mother and so forth. Um, but those uh, other other limits, you know, again, similar to, to what we have, uh, what we have, what they have in Europe. Um, I, I think that's and you know, the Lindsey Graham kind of threw it out as the federal. Piece, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 weeks. Um, I, I think that's probably where that equilibrium is at some at some point. And it, at some point you lose enthusiasm um uh from those extremes you know for fighting over right i mean i don't think so i i I, again uh, this comes back to where we fundamentally differ i think you see uh uh, you see a world that's far more rational than than i do and so no i don't think i don't think the uh the pro-life movement is going to just sort of say well you know let's just settle for it. no because it's that's no that's not how extremists work uh you know you're no no, no I'm, I'm not i'm not saying they settle i'm saying they run out of steam oh i don't think so i think they have plenty of steam now that <laughs> it takes all this it all takes money uh it all takes money and it takes time and it I, takes people i think they can raise it and, i think they can keep on doing it it's, it's a whole lot it's a whole lot easier to get people out and to vote and to raise money on saying um we want to protect um uh babies who are about to be born um as opposed to well it's 15 weeks we want to move it back to zero or we want to move it back to a heartbeat uh, or 12 or something like that that's yeah i, I just think that's I, a that's a tougher no i think tougher, it's uh, i think it's on this particular issue it's like hey this is a this is a, from the moment of conception this is an insult life and therefore yeah. any at any point this is murder. This is no. So I, I don't not, on this particular issue. I don't see that going away at all. But but let's move on to something that's a little more okay. mellow. Um, <laughs> recreational pot, right? On the ballot in five states, two wins in uh, Missouri and Maryland, and three losses: uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, and uh, Arkansas, I believe. And okay. those losses weren't very close. So, what what do you take away from that? Uh, laboratories of democracy. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, let's, I'm, I think that's, that's okay. Uh, again, my, I have my issues, um, as do you, I won't throw you into that thicket again, um, with, uh, <laughs> recreational, you. uh, bot. but, um, look, if, if people are going to vote that way, uh, and, and, uh, allow it, then okay, they can give it a shot, see how it turns out for them. I don't think it'll 
turn out well. Well, we'll see this, um, you know, but we'll see yeah, this, I think kind of fits in. I wanted to bring this up because it kind of fits into sort of your argument where I, I disagree with your argument about compromises on abortion. I think on pot, we're seeing more of that because it's less of a do or die kind of issue well, yeah, in yeah. that, in that, like, yeah, for no, instance, and, and yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you can't say this is, is it a moral? Yeah. I suppose there's some moral piece to it, but it's, it's one of those, here's the policy that I think is better versus here's one that I think is worse. Yeah, because uh, I mean, in, in all three of the states where recreational pot laws, South Dakota, the Dakotas and, and, and uh, uh, Arkansas, uh, they all have legalized medical marijuana. And so there's like, well, what, how, how much is okay? We're okay for it for medical purposes, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but not just anyone buying it, you know, without some kind of BS doctor's notes. <laughs> well, you also, in, in those kind of places where you have that sort of system, you've got uh, vested interests in keeping the system and keeping the monopoly, as it were. That's a good point. Um, yeah, there are some players you know, there. So who, yeah. there are people who are going to spend money um, yeah. to protect the, the medical-only um, piece of it. Yeah. 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 So and and so now if you're if you're following along at home, we now have recreational pot legal in 21 states, uh, none actually in the southeastern part of the country. It's mostly the coasts and a few Midwestern states. And you compare that to medical pot legal in 37 states uh, and let's say including all three of those states that rejected uh, it in uh, recreational legalization on the, the in the last election. But uh, and then finally, I want to talk a little bit about voting changes. And America's work ethic continues <laughs> to soar. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, vo voting voting changes right We're on the ballot in, in six states. I mean, uh, Michigan and Connecticut made it easier to vote and both of those measures passed by pretty large margins. Nevada, I think looks like it will, I don't think it's decided yet, will approve a measure for that uh RCV, yeah, ranked choice voting. There's, there's some there's some wonder wonderful irony in that, isn't there? Uh go ahead. Uh, explain. Well no, I, I think this is this is something an issue that that uh we, we didn't really put on a schedule, but it's kind of election related. Yeah. Uh and is the the why the hell is this taking so long? Uh, issue it has nothing um, to do with ranked choice voting. That's just no, no. no uh, it, it, in this case, it does. Well, no, it doesn't. Kind of, sort of in Alaska. Nope, maybe, but nope, doesn't. Um, it's it's a matter. I mean, the actual the actual process right. of tabulating the votes takes literally minutes. I mean, it's nothing to do with the the process itself. It's about how election boards decide, or how sorry, how the media reports on these things. And we talked about this when we talked about the, the ranked choice voting thing. So no, it's, it's, it's not an inherent problem with the process itself. No, no, but, but, but hear me out there, but I'm saying there's an inherent problem without ranked choice voting. We've got an issue of why the hell is this taking so long? And, and I, I think that's, I think it, it is due in part to one, we've got closer elections. Um, so fair enough there, but we we've expanded so many different ways to vote, so many different exceptions, and and uh, I see. Um, okay, yeah, I see. You're you know, right to, yeah, yeah. to do that. That you know, you, so it used to be right. The only people who had could have their votes counted after election day were servicemen and women who were serving overseas. Um, Wasn't it? Though, though I think it's always been if you had a postmark, if you were an absentee voter, pretty much everywhere. If it was, if if you're ballot was no, I think most, most places had uh, absentee ballots had to be received before election day and if you couldn't get it there before election day you'd have to vote in person i guess that was a lot when, of states i know ohio was like that yeah when the postal service um, could actually deliver things on time but, but yeah but know. but they've changed that and in places like nevada it's, it's one of them um where you have more and more either um in this case there were a lot of essentially same day absentee ballots, right? I, I hear what you're saying. Person, yeah, okay. What, what I'm saying is I think there is, there's a value uh, to democracy in, in having a clear winner as soon as possible. And the longer these things drag out, uh, the more suspicion it generates uh, and the more uh, uh, opportunity there is for shenanigans, I, yeah, whether you believe yeah. they take place or not. Um, but I, I think that's, that's a problem, right? I mean, doesn't, let's put it this way. If there were, if we were in a, a uh, if it was a, a red state type thing, and uh, or let's say it's Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, all of a sudden, well, we're still counting, and why, well, Doctor Oz is making a comeback. He's made, well, he's gonna he's gonna pull it out, right? And it's two weeks later, and uh, of course, would would you be skeptical or at least think that maybe that warrants looking into? No, 
Um, I think that whole no, argument is ridiculous. Trust, trust guys, they're government. No, employees. no, I think I think that whole argument is ridiculous, and I I reject it out of hand. I I, I make sense logically at, on one level, but this idea that well, it's important. We can't. We need a result right away because even if that means that people who say voted and got their mailed in their vote before the election, well, we just it's too bad they don't. No, that's I think that's a that's a that's a horrible argument. This idea that we can't for for the most important single act we make as citizens in a democracy that we can't wait a few weeks have a modicum of patience for something that's this important. Uh, I think that's I think that's horrible. I think that's a that's a bad argument. Bad argument. So no, no. Yeah, I think you're I think you're you're missing the, the point here. The it happens the sometimes. Is that <laughs> the, the the one of the reasons why we have delays in elections. First of all, all right, you can see delays in election delays in election results uh, can breed suspicion. Um, right. I, I mean, they do. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that it's it's good not to have that suspicion. We didn't used to have, what I'm saying is, we didn't used to have this problem. Right? I mean, do you recall 20 years ago when, when you're waiting? Back when it was harder to vote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, by, hard, by, harder, by harder, you mean you have to, like, get your ballot in before Election Day. <laughs> if, that's, if that's what harder no, is. No, not at all. No, that's not what I mean by harder. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not suggesting that people who mailed their who sent in their ballots or who voted after Election Day should be counted. I'm and I don't think I, well, I guess there are some people right, who say no, no, that. no. I'm I'm saying you have to get the ballot has to be at the Board of Elections by Tuesday, or it doesn't get counted. Yeah. See, to me, that's uh, to me, it's if why somebody. Is that, why is that shockingly unfair? It's it's shocking. It's not shockingly unfair, but I, I believe that if you uh, have a mail in ballot. And you've dropped that ballot in the mail any time before Election Day, that should be counted. That seems reasonable to me. And if that means we have to wait a few more days for those ballots to come, the ballots to be counted, I think that's so clearly a price worth paying. And people just need to be more patient and understand how the process has changed and that it's a change for the better because it's more democratic. Anyway, so. Um. That's I'll, I'll leave the listeners to kind of yeah ponder. Well, that. one final thing I want to do, I did because it's an Ohio thing. I want to maybe uh, maybe close on this. I don't know. There was a, a voting issue in Ohio, right? That passed by huge margin. Was it like seventy something percent for yeah, that, wasn't yeah. it? Um, you know, yeah. in, in a way, I wonder how much of an issue it was. Well, you can you can. I'm sure you're more up to date on this issue than I am. So even though we both live in Ohio, you know, but uh, you're the politically connected guy, right? So what was the Ohio? Voting the Ohio issue had to do with uh, non-citizens uh, being able to vote in local elections. Um, so it, it, in large part, it, it was a, I would say, sort of a redundancy, uh, right, in that, that non-citizens are already not permitted to vote, but it would prohibit um, certain cities or localities from changing their rules, like, like New York has tried to do, like Washington, D.C., uh, to allow non-citizens to vote. Um, in local elections. Yes. Now, I think I think there would have been an argument uh, under the Ohio Constitution that cities couldn't have done that, that that uh, uh, their home rule authority would not expand that far. I don't know. That's that's a, a good question, um, because Ohio does have this this what's called home rule where cities can sort of make their own rules uh, on a whole lot of things uh, up up to the point where it conflicts with governing state policy. Um so this would be sort of the no. I'm not. I'm not a fan of, of putting things uh, willy nilly in the Constitution. So I'm. I'm not crazy about that. Uh, I think they probably could have done the same thing statutorily. Um, but uh, but there we are. Uh, and I. I think it's generally a good thing that we would say um, only citizens can vote uh, in in elections. Yeah. Yeah. This is where you and I agree because I, I feel like that citizenship is being sort of a basic criteria for voting. I'm. I'm okay with that, you know, and, and, and there, there are clearly some people on the left who uh, don't. And I understand the argument. It's that if you are a long-term resident of a place, then you have some sort of a stake. And, and certainly you do, but I, I'm just not quite prepared to go uh, 
quite that far uh, as as some uh, some folks to the left of me are. Um, and you know, there, actually, Jay, if I may, I know we're running a little long. There is one other thing I wanted to, to bring up: is that in, in coming back to lessons learned, you talked about kind of the big Republican lesson, I guess that uh, that the, the, the MAGA folks are kind of a drag on the party, and it's not a winning strategy going forward. I, I feel like I hope. One, well, I didn't say, I mean, I, what my point was candidates matter. Okay. Gotcha. And, and I'm thinking you could have, you know, in, in the one sense, you could say Ron DeSantis is in, in many ways a MAGA candidate, but he's also a competent MAGA candidate. I see what you're saying. Okay. Gotcha. So comp, competence matter. And Trump, Trump is a drag on the party then, you could say. That's yeah, Trump just picking away. people for their celebrities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess one lesson that I'm hoping the Democrats don't take away from this is that uh, we're doing pretty much okay because hey, we look at historical norms and we overperformed. And so I guess coming back to, I initially characterized at the top of the show that Democrats outperformed and you, you correct or you, your interpretation was no, just the opposite. Republicans underperformed. And I think actually that that's right. And I hope that Democrats don't, don't say, well, you know, we did so much better. Uh, so we don't really have to change much of anything. We should be good. Uh, for 2024, because I think the Democrats have a lot of issues going into 2024. And especially I'm concerned because right now there is still an outside chance that the Democrats hold the House with like a tiny, tiny little minor uh, majority. Right. And, and you know, that in a way I, that I, I would prefer that because all of these kind of committee hearings and other stuff, I think will be worse for the party. But again, I really think that that Democrats need to take a hard, long, hard look and say, we need to get back to some of the economic populism focus and a little bit less of sort of the cultural type of issues that are incredibly important to a small, uh, a small segment of our base, but that again, are just going to cause us to lose a lot of elections that were potentially winnable, especially in places like the Southwest and, and, and the Southeast, where you have a lot larger uh, of this uh, Hispanic population. So that's that's my takeaway on that. All right. Um, well, you know, Jay, one thing we didn't talk about that I'm really eager to talk about uh, is Democrats interfering in, or I'll call it interfering, I'll talk about that in a little bit, in Republican primaries and how much that matter. I think it's an interesting idea. And uh, thanks to the friend of the show who will remain nameless, who uh, you know who you are, who suggested we talk about that. We're going to get to that in the midweek supporter show, along with uh, uh, the crazy idea of expanding the House of Representatives uh, and a potential Supreme Court crisis. Is there a crisis? I don't know. We'll talk about all of that stuff on the bonus show. So you will get that uh, if you are a Patreon supporter. And if you're not, we hope you'll consider becoming one. It's easy to do. You get all kinds of good stuff. Aside from the bonus show, you get ad-free versions of all of our all of our stuff that we put out there, and there's various other things at various levels. To check it all out, go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also support us on Venmo or at politicsguys or through PayPal. And all the support links are in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. And as always, we don't want financial constraints to be a barrier to you getting all of the stuff we put out. So if that's you, just send me an email, mikeatpoliticsguys.com, and I will get you set up to make sure you get to hear all of those midweek supporter shows. And as always, it really helps if you subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever podcast app you use and share episodes on social media, whether that's, you know, the rapidly failing Twitter or Mastodon or whatever else you're using these days. Anyway, uh, Finally, a special thanks to our fantastic executive producers, Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andre Masker, Daniel Toe, Ryan Beasley, and Don Oglesby. We'll be back with a new episode for you next week. We hope you join us.